If my best friend was going through this, I would say to her, I get it. You're allowed to actually feel like it's really hard. Welcome to today's podcast episode. It's a solo one and it's a good old-fashioned Q&A. These questions have been submitted via Instagram and if you're not following on Instagram, come on over. My username is at Kylie Lately. So this week I posted a series of stories asking for questions on different topics. I really love to ask for your feedback and your ideas on certain themes and even really nuanced specific questions that I can then take to a guest and have a conversation, I guess, on your behalf. That feels really good for me if I can go, you know what, I have access to this person who has an incredible wealth of knowledge on a specific topic and I can take your query to them. That feels good. So there are a variety of topics that I've asked for your questions on, from co-parenting through to the whole uh, conversation surrounding influences that I have been talking about having over on Instagram, just because I'm so fascinated by the cyclical nature of this parasocial dynamic that happens between someone who follows an influencer online And what I feel like happens so often in terms of we platform someone because they're relatable and then that relatability seems to wane if they become successful and then all of a sudden they become unlikable. But that is a conversation for another day. So I have invited feedback on that topic and I've had such a variety of different messages come through from people saying that they are so angry and so annoyed by influencers who share certain parts of their life but don't share absolutely everything. And there's just this real mix of reactions. So I do think it will be a really interesting and rich conversation, but I want to have it with the right podcast guest. I could sit down and just waffle on about it for a long time, probably. And I do have some notes and thoughts that I've written down in moments of clarity But I think it would be a more enjoyable conversation if I have someone to kind of play tennis with on that topic. So if there's something that like you just went, oh, my gosh, yes, I really would love to hear someone speak about this part of influencer or an influencer culture, feel free to slide into my DMs and hopefully I will see it. But today I'm just answering a few general questions that have been submitted It's really important that I stress that I'm not an expert in the field of specific therapies. I've done a little bit of training in cognitive behavioral therapy and I am studying to be a counselor, but nothing that I say here in this episode should be taken as personalized or prescriptive advice. I'm just just someone, excuse me, sharing my initial responses to these questions. And there are a few questions that I'm going to say, look, I think you should absolutely seek, you know, specific guidance from someone who is qualified, particularly this first one that I'm going to touch on. And that is tips for the mental struggles of body changing during pregnancy. 
Just quickly, a word from today's sponsors. Unless, of course, you're one of our Venti members. In that case, there are no ads and your episode is about to keep playing. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Over the last couple of months, I've had different versions of this question come through. And I really think it's the sort of thing that you should speak with someone about because it's such a individual experience, how you relate to your body and the changes that are happening. And there are so many factors that can influence the way that you feel about your body. I also recognize that for some people, this question they might actually feel annoyed by it. And that's not to say that I think it's a bad question at all. I think it's an incredibly valid question and so many people who have been pregnant will absolutely understand and relate. But then I also know for people that are trying to fall pregnant, that can be really um, like triggering for them. But anyway, tips for the mental struggles of your body changing in pregnancy. I think... Like if my best friend was going through this, I would say to her, I get it. You're allowed to actually feel like it's really hard because growing a human or two or three or however many is hard. And it's hard feeling like you are out of control of your body and you don't know what to expect. Everyone has a different level of their identity based in how they look as well, depending on how they've been socialized, perhaps the industry that you're in. Um, There are so many factors that can influence it, but it is hard. Like physically, it can be really hard to go through that change and feel like you are losing your autonomy as an individual. So first up, I think just validating that it is really hard, that you are not a bad person if you are not embracing every single change and taking it all in your stride effortlessly, that doesn't mean that you're a bad person at all. I can remember being pregnant with the boys and I was the sickest pregnant person, not sick in like a good way, like my kids would say, but just I was so unwell. And I always thought before I was pregnant, before I was informed, while I was blissfully ignorant to what pregnancy can be like, I always thought, oh, when I'm pregnant, I will eat so well because I've always been pretty health conscious, sometimes too health conscious. And I say health with air quotes. Um, I thought, you know what? I'll be that person who's like only having green smoothies and won't have any caffeine and won't eat any fast food. And I'm just going to like glow through my pregnancy and make sure I only put the best things in my body. And when I was pregnant, my reality was I could not stomach a fruit or vegetable. I kid you not, I couldn't walk past a fruit shop without either like heaving violently or actually throwing up. I couldn't open our fridge if I knew that there were fruits and vegetables in the fridge. It was just this 
intolerable experience that made my skin crawl and made me feel so sick. I couldn't get anything good into my body. The only thing that I could eat were things that were very carby and very bland. So I'm talking like plain Latina pasta, bread rolls with cheese, uh, wedges, um, like just very, very bland things that had like no nutritional value. That's all that I could keep down. So I understand and I know that that might seem like a bridge too far between, maybe not between body image, but also expectations in pregnancy. But I just don't want you to be hard on yourself if you are struggling with your body changing during pregnancy. It's perhaps a good idea as well, I guess, to focus on what your body is actually doing for you. And maybe if you can, and I don't know if this will feel good for you, but maybe you can see this as an invitation to be curious about your relationship with your body. Because if you have a relationship with your body and your appearance where you place a lot of your self-worth in it, yes, it is uncomfortable and yes, it is hard when it is changing, but it is an incredible gift and an opportunity as well. Bear with me. I know it might not feel like it, but the fact is at some stage in your life, your looks are going to change. Our bodies are always changing to serve us in different ways. We go from being babies to toddlers to children's to teens. Our bodies change depending on what we're going through and what we need. And your body's going to change as you go into old age as well. And so maybe this is an opportunity for you to actually get a bit of clarity on why it's so upsetting for you. You can also, as I said, focus on what your body is doing, the functions of your body, and start to try and foster appreciation for that side of things. That doesn't mean to say that all of a sudden you won't be uncomfortable, that your weight is going up or that you're, that whatever's going on for you. It's not to say it will erase it, but maybe it will help kind of right size your focus if you can also focus on the things that your body is doing for you. There are superficial things you can do as well, I guess, such as upgrading your wardrobe. And that doesn't mean that you have to go and buy a whole new, uh, like a whole new selection of outfits, but maybe you can treat yourself to a dress that you feel really good in or jump on Marketplace and buy some maternity clothing that actually you're going to feel great in. And just know that maybe how you feel about your changing body will change as well. Just because you feel this way now doesn't mean that you will feel this way throughout your whole pregnancy. And if I have anyone listening who hasn't had a child before, who hasn't been pregnant before, excuse me, and you are worried about how you are going to go with the changes that come along with being pregnant, definitely look after yourself and seek some support and seek some therapy if this is a really big concern for you, if this is something that is holding you back from wanting to fall pregnant. But also, I just want you to know that as someone who has always been a bit funny with her body image, I loved being pregnant, not how I felt. I was so unwell, but I didn't have issues with gaining weight. It was probably the time in my life where I loved my body the absolute 
most. And I don't say that to make this person feel badly. Gosh, we all have our things. But I will say that it's just not a given. A lot of people close to me when I fell pregnant were really worried about how I would handle the weight gain. And I just took it all in my stride. I was like one neenish tart after the other, thanks. And even after I had the babies, the babies, after the boys were born, I really didn't think that much about my postpartum body. Yes, I did resume exercising and movement and those sorts of things. And like, I guess it must have been somewhere in my mind because like, I'm just casting my mind back because I can remember taking photos and thinking like, oh yeah, I'm meant to be getting married in 11 months and will the dress fit and those sorts of things. But I was so proud of what my body had done and so appreciative. And I just wanted to share that with you because it's not a given for those listening who haven't experienced it, that you will struggle, but you might. And if you do, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you at all. What are the other areas of life that perhaps you can focus on and feel in control of? It also might just be, as I said, a case that at this stage of your pregnancy, you are struggling, but it improves. A lot of people have said to me that they found it really hard during the first trimester when they weren't really showing. But once they got to the second and third trimester and they were obviously pregnant, they felt a lot better about everything. So again, I don't have a lot of context here, but I would encourage you to speak to someone who's qualified in the space and can really hold your hand and support you through this and also just open up and speak to other women. You know, sometimes we have to go first and share something we're struggling with and someone will be like, oh, you know, same. I felt that exact same way. And there's just validation in knowing that you're not alone. And I promise, I promise you, you are not the only person to have these experiences and these thoughts and feelings and these struggles with pregnancy changes. All right. Trauma dumping. How to not let it impact us. I'm a nurse and sometimes the cases get to me. So first and foremost, thank you for being a nurse. I truly think nurses are like the most unsung heroes. Anytime I am in a hospital, I am always reminded of what incredible, altruistic, like just wonderful human beings most nurses are. I just take my hat off to all nurses because I know like that I couldn't do that job. I couldn't handle the shift work. I couldn't handle everything that a nurse has to see and face and the dynamics, you know, and you watch nurses interact with doctors and you just think, oh my gosh, not to take anything away from doctors, but these nurses are really the ones running the show. And yeah, I just, I am always in awe of nurses, truly. I can't speak to how it would feel to have to face such traumas day in, day out and to have to compartmentalize from one um, patient to another and then to go home and have to then switch gears and go from that caretaking role and how do you actually find space for the horrible stories and the sadness and the trauma and get on with your life? I don't know. Again, that's something that I would hope you have a counsellor who specialises in and can really help and support you depending on what you're dealing with and what your personal triggers are. 
I think there's probably a bit of a difference here between trauma dumping and also handling such a hard workplace. When I read the words trauma dumping, the first thing that comes to mind for me is when people share really hard things on you or are continually offloading their stuff on you when it's not warranted. And I've got a little bit of experience in that. I don't have any of ex- any experience in the nursing side of things. And truthfully, I go to pieces with a lot of hard stuff. Like when I hear awful things on the news, I find it incredibly hard to just shake it off and get on with my day. So I take my hat off to you again. But trauma dumping, I have a little bit of experience in just with, yes, friends, yes, family members, but also followers sometimes. Sometimes I will open a DM and I'll be opening it on the fly. You know, I've got two minutes before the school bus pulls up and I open this DM and it is pages and pages and pages long with truly traumatic things included. Um, A bit of a warning here about some of the content I'm going to share with you, but I will get messages from people saying I was raped. I will get messages from people saying I have been held at gunpoint. I have been sexually assaulted. My husband has hit me. I get a lot of messages that are traumatic. And that's not to say, oh, poor me. I obviously feel incredibly sad and I really feel for these people. And I am in a way really grateful that people think of me as someone they can share this information with. And at the same time, I am just a person who is opening a message with no warning and no context and no real way to know if the information I am receiving is something I can help the person with or if it's something that's going to cause me to feel really distressed as well. And trauma dumping is a really real thing. Maybe you can't relate to the experience of having strangers send you really full-on messages, but maybe you can relate to the experience of a family member who is continually sending you text messages or continually calling you or showing up at your place only with the intention to offload all of their woes onto you. And maybe like your bucket is so empty and you just can't take it on board and it's really hard. It's so hard because there's that dichotomy of caring so deeply about someone, even if you don't know them well. Like as a human, you just care, right? And so you have this heart pain where you want to care, where you do care about the person and you want to be able to help and you want to be able to make space. But then at the same time, often that comes at the cost of looking after yourself or your family and it takes and it takes and it takes from you. And sometimes you do have to put a boundary in place and that's not easy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Like boundaries are really tricky. Boundaries are a big business for a reason. That's why there are so many books written on the topics. I've, uh, on the topic, excuse me, I've recorded an episode in the past with Dr. Rebecca Ray, and I'm going to link to it in the show notes where we speak about boundaries. And I've also got another solo episode called Boundary Bootcamp. So I will link those in the show notes as well for you. But trauma dumping is exhausting and you do have a right to establish a boundary. And so a boundary might be that you don't reply instantly because sometimes just not replying instantly can send a signal that, okay, I can't be super available for all of your needs. So that's setting a boundary without being confrontational, without having to find the words to explain how you're feeling. Boundaries sometimes will require that little bit of um, discomfort where perhaps you say to the person, I really care about you. I want the best for you. But right now I'm not equipped to support you through this. Is there someone else you can turn to? Have you tried using a resource like Beyond Blue? Have you tried reaching out to a therapist? Those sorts of things. Trauma dumping can really impact you. I, it's similar, I guess, in a way, but something that I just thought of as well is how hard it can be on a friendship when someone is always coming to you with their worries and their traumas and you begin to feel like the friendship isn't reciprocal and it's not light and it's not fun and you don't get to share anything. You are just continually holding space for the other person. And something I've never spoken about before in a podcast is this experience that I have had where I realized that a friend was only reaching out to me when things were not going well in her marriage. And she's still in her marriage, but she would reach out to me, want my advice, want my support. And there were parts of it that would be really triggering for me. And I would be sending resources and spending a lot of time trying to craft the right words and trying to offer the best support possible. But then she would disappear again only to, you know, ignore other bids for connection. Like, do you want to do this? Do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to like get the kids together? Like trying to have other parts of the friendship, but only would I hear from her when she wanted to talk to me about how bad her marriage was. And I felt like whilst it wasn't full on trauma dumping, I felt like in and I could be wrong, but in my mind, I felt like I had been relegated to that friend, that friend who has been divorced, that friend who has been single, that friend who has experienced how hard it is to co-parent and knows what it can do to the kids. Like that's the only reason I'm going to that friend. And you can begin to just feel so unseen and so unvalued and so pinched, like pigeonholed. And it's just not a nice feeling. And like wise me knows, okay, I can zoom out and see that why she would put me in that category, but it doesn't feel nice. And so I have created some space and some, you know, boundaries there for myself, whereby 
if she has a grievance about her husband and she's thinking about leaving him and she wants to know the exact steps to take again for the umpteenth time. And I say that in that way, not because I think, oh, she should just make the decision and leave. I know how hard that is for so many women, particularly like when there are all sorts of nuances involved. But I say it because it just feels like that's the only dynamic she wants me involved in her life in and it doesn't feel nice. So putting a bit of space, you know, when she reaches out and going, huh, well, I'm not going to actually spend a lot of my time and energy and resources on providing the same information again. Boundaries are hard. So have a listen to those other episodes. And trauma dumping is a very real thing. And yeah, I just, I don't have the magic answers on it, but I do think it is okay. In fact, it's important to protect yourself. Even in a friendship that I'm still very much in, there have been times where I've had to say, hey, I just can't see you right now because what you're going through is really going to upset and trigger me in an unhealthy way. So I just need a bit of space. And you can say these things lovingly and respectfully and hope that they are received well, but you cannot always control, or you can never control how they are actually received. Next up, digital detox. How to break the cycle of being on your phone. I know it's annoying when I say this, but I have done an episode uh, with a doctor on this topic, and I will link it in the show notes for you. Dr. Christy Goodwin is wonderful. She has a book called Dear Digital, and it's all about how to actually have breaks from our technology in a realistic way without demonizing or making anyone feel bad. It's just about bringing our attention towards actually what's going on. I'm not the best at this. I'm trying. I feel like I go through stages. When the boys were like three or four, I had such a better handle on my digital use, even when they were babies, actually, because they would only be awake for like two hour wake periods. So I could easily not be on my phone and then I could go on my phone when they slept. Whereas I feel like now for like probably 10 hours a day, my phone is very close to me, if not in my hand. You know, I will take it with me from room to room and I don't want to be like that. It is habitual. But I'm just being honest with you. It's hard, right? I remember as well when I say, oh, when the boys were three or four, I was better at it. I used to charge my phone out of the bedroom and that's a really good habit to get into. Something I've noticed just recently in the last couple of weeks is that because I'm going for a walk first thing in the morning now with one of the boys, I'm actually not looking at my phone first thing in the morning. I might pick it up and bring it with me from downstairs to upstairs, but I'll often just leave my phone in the pantry because I've got my watch, so I don't need it. Um, And that's really nice because we get out the door straight away and go for a walk together and We decided to do that because he was just feeling like he didn't have enough one-on-one time with me and he hasn't had the same amount of one-on-one time with me as his brother has because his brother hasn't been going to his dad's. So he gets, you know, extra time with Brendan and I. But my other son said to me like, mom, I'm craving some one-on-one time. 
And so I said to him, what if you and I get up of a morning and we start going for a walk, just us? And you can see how much he treasures it. And I know that might seem like a bit of a disconnect, but because of that habit, I'm not waking up and checking Instagram or checking my emails. I get up and I get out the door straight away. So maybe when it comes to breaking the cycle of being on your phone, it's about changing up your routine in other ways. It's not just going, oh, I want to be better at not being on my phone. It's like, okay, what can I actually introduce as a circuit breaker to this habitual scrolling? I also know there are a variety of apps. I heard about one not too long ago. I think it's called One Second. I could be wrong. But there are apps that you can download that help you to stay focused on being off your phone, which sounds so silly, right? Oh, to stay off your phone, get a new app. But there are apps that can act as that circuit breaker so that when you pick your phone up and you habitually go to scroll, it says to you, do you actually want to be on your phone right now? What are you doing? Even just moving the icons around in your phone can help. So if you notice that your thumb just finds TikTok all on its own volition, (laughs) maybe hide your TikTok app in a different file or a different folder or a different place on your home screen, just because then actually having to go search for it gives you that cognitive dissonance, that cognitive break to go, oh, hang on, do I actually want to scroll here? I also do this thing that I remember reading in, I think it was Atomic Habits, where James Clear talks about how If you are wasting time, you should actually just say that you're wasting time. Say it out loud. Say to yourself, I'm wasting my time. I'm scrolling for no reason. Why am I on my phone? Because there's something about actually saying saying it out loud that can snap you out of it as well. Having some family guidelines could be a good idea as well. You know, like at a certain time, we all put our devices in a certain drawer for a certain time period. Um... Yeah, hopefully that's helpful. I don't know if it is. Maybe having check-in periods with your phone through the day, going, okay, I'm going to allow myself to scroll from 9 till 9.15 in the car after I drop the kids off at school, but then I am not going to look at it again until 2.45 when I'm back in the car. Obviously basing this off my (laughs) rhythm of my average day, but whatever works for you. Have a little think about when are you habitually scrolling? Why do you want to break the habit of habitually scrolling? What can you replace the habit with? Can you introduce some circuit breakers? And are there some family rules that you can establish that will benefit all of you? All right. There are a few other topics here, including can you speak more about your opinion on the masculine feminine energy polarity as a feminist? This is definitely something I have changed my mind about. I used to talk a lot about masculine and feminine, and don't get me wrong, I still recognize that there are things that are quite feminine or there are things that are quite masculine, but I think of it now that those things are assigned as masculine and feminine as a construct of society and not always as an actual reality of our internal compass or our internal energy. 
I think that a lot of the time the masculine and feminine and polarity conversation can center around making a woman feel responsible for a man. And that's something that really rubs me the wrong way the older I have gotten. I don't know if you can relate to this because I used to speak it about speak about it a lot. I've recommended books in the past on this topic. I really drank the Kool-Aid on this topic. And when I reflect on that, I think it's because I wanted to believe that there was something I could do to make things better because we are so socialized and so conditioned as females to be responsible for other people's life, to be responsible for how other people see themselves. And it's something that as I've gotten older and maybe going through a divorce and maybe being in this new relationship and just maybe seeing things more clearly, all of these maybes have impacted the way I think and feel about it. I just don't want women to think that they have to be a certain way to influence how a man feels about himself. You don't have to be something to make a man feel masculine or feel manly. Like, what does that even mean? And why is it the woman's responsibility? There's so much pressure on women already. We're managing so much of the domestic load that then we're also meant to be like, oh, hang on, I have to stop and drop into my feminine energy so that when my partner and I reconnect, I'm creating the space for things to feel great. I don't know, I just, you know, like whilst I still think that there is power in a shower and moisturizer and a nice silky robe and feeling good about yourself and feeling soft because motherhood and the everyday life and our just everything can kind of make us feel hard and tough at the end of the day. I don't discount that, but I do discount this information that, oh, if a man is treating you poorly, that's your responsibility. You weren't feminine enough. You weren't soft enough. I'm so much more focused on equality in all of the arenas these days. So yes, it's something I've definitely changed my mind about. And there's certain content out there that I see and I, I feel bristly about it and a little bit triggered about it. But I think that's because there's part of me that feels a bit shameful that I used to buy into it so much. Anyway, perhaps that's a conversation to unpack with a guest. There are a few other questions here that I was hoping to get to in this episode, but I will have to wrap it up because I've been going for a while now and I have to get to the school bus to collect one of the boys. So I will love and leave you. I'll wrap it up here. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please let me know. It really makes a difference. If you don't feel comfortable commenting, that's okay. I get it. But if you do enjoy today's episode, feel free to slide in, send me a DM. I truly, truly appreciate it. And I hope that you have a great weekend ahead of you. Today's podcast episode was recorded on the land of the Bunjalung Nation. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. 
We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.